Today, if you have your Bibles, we want to turn to the book of Isaiah, and we want to look in chapter 40, chapter 40 of the book of Isaiah. As you know, I don't spend a, spend a whole lot of time trying to preach prophecy um, outside of what the Lord really presses upon me. I understand my weakness and my flaws when it comes to this area of his word. But he has pressed upon me this morning as we are thinking about peace. This is the second Sunday of Advent. This is the Sunday of peace. And, and we want to, for a few moments, just think about the peace that we have. Uh, as a matter of fact, we want to think about the peace God's word provides. Without God's word, we would have no peace in, in our lives. For those who are believers who have a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that the world couldn't give us and the world can't take away, we understand that peace doesn't come from this world. It comes from the word of God. The word that he has placed upon us and that we're able to look and we can find him and how we can be a part of his life and he can be a, a part of ours. As you're turning to this chapter, chapter 40 verses 1 through 9 is where we're going to focus today. Billy Graham once said, peace with God and the peace of God in a man's heart and the joy of fellowship with Christ having themselves the beneficial effect upon the body and mind. And will lead to the development and preservation of physical and mental power. In other words, if you want to be healthy mentally and physically, you need to know Jesus Christ. Because there's something that takes place when we have fellowship with him. And we're, when we're at peace with him. And the peace that we have is through him. There's something that happens that pervert, preserves us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And when we look in this chapter today, what we'll find is, is the Israelites who have been taken into captivity are in desperate need of this kind of peace. The Bible tells us here in chapter 40, it says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your, your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended and her iniquity is pardoned. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our, for your, for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smoothed. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice said cry out. And he said what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers 
and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. This is God's holy word. God, we come before you today. Has flawed men and women before your perfect word. And God, we pray that you would take your word and place it in our hearts, God. Help us to apply it to our lives and use it for your glory. For God, everything that we say and do represents you. So God, help us to live our lives in a manner that would be pleasing and honorable to you. God, if there's one who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray today that your holy word would speak to them. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, that today they would cry out, what must I do to be saved? God, we know you're just. We know you're faithful. So God, we pray that you would have your way. And we give you praise for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Here in chapter 40, it appears that this chapter should actually serve as a continuation from chapter 39. But as we look here, we find that the first verse of this chapter almost appears as an introduction to the remainder of the book. It appears that there's a conversation taking place. Among between God and Isaiah. When we look here in the, in the different sections of just these nine verses. We see when God speaks to us. We also see when Isaiah is speaking to us. But we know God is speaking to the heart of Isaiah. And he's giving him commands. So Isaiah is following the command of God. It seems that God is calling to Isaiah to comfort his people. The only way for God's people to be comforted is through the peace that we have through salvation. So it seems here that God is instructing Isaiah to assure the people of God the peace that will come. There's coming a day when they would be set free. They would be saved from the bondage that they will soon be under. We understand Isaiah is prophesying to Israel about the upcoming captivity that they're going to be under. So as you look at this, you almost see a future tense to these words. You see that Isaiah is prophesying into the future. So as we see this, we see that God has a message for Isaiah that he is to speak comfort to God's people. As God's people are going into captivity, I would imagine many were going to find it hard to be at peace. They were going to find it hard to be comforted. 
It seems that they would be, this people would witness their military being wiped out. It seems that the city of Jerusalem and the temple of God, that they would actually see it be destroyed and laid into ruins. Thousands of, they would see thousands of their people abused and raped and slaughtered. And then there would be a 900-mile trek from Israel or Jerusalem to Babylon. And, and we, those who would actually survive this 900-mile march, they would be scattered throughout the Babylonian Empire. Now, I can imagine many of the Jews who made it to Babylon, who made it to this strange and foreign country, would be discouraged. I imagine many of them would feel as though all hope was lost. I would guess that many would begin to question God and their faith. For, who, for we know just here in this land... A land of plenty, a land of opportunity. There are many people who may fall upon a hard time and, and they begin to question their faith. They begin to question if God actually exists after all that God has blessed them with. So can you imagine with what Israel is going to go through, what they, what was going on in their mind, how they would actually question God, question their faith? But here we see God begins to use the prophet Isaiah. He begins to use him to speak peace to Israelites. God tells Isaiah to comfort, yes, comfort my people. We can see the urgency of God here. We see his compassion and we see his tenderness as, as he charges Isaiah to, to get a message out to his people. It's as if God looked into the hopeless faces of of this nation and he wanted to speak a peace to their circumstances assuring them that that he had not left them and so God tells Isaiah to tell them that their warfare would be over now listen this is in the future as they are about to go into captivity it's as if God is telling them that the war that they're going into will not last forever in other words their difficult days their days of captivity would soon one day be behind them they would were, was being assured that their captivity would come to an end and they would experience a peace that only he could provide now for you and I it may seem like when they're told that they would be in captivity for 70 years, that may seem like they, they felt doomed, they felt gloomed, that, that all their hope was lost. But I want to tell you, because God told them that it would be for 70 years, that was a assurance to them that one day it would all come to an end. While some may not be alive when it come to an end, it would come to an end. But not only would their warfare come to an end, but their iniquity would be pardoned. He was telling them that their sin would be forgiven. The Jews could experience a comfort and peace in knowing that when their time in captivity was over, that their circumstances would no longer be grim. Instead, their repentance to God would, would, for, would, would bring a forgiveness to them and their, as their captivity ended. Folks, I don't know where you were at when you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I want to tell you where I was. I was in a mess. 
I, I don't know what kind of condition or what your circumstances was, but I was bound. I was bound by guilt and shame. My sin had brought me to a point that I was so discouraged that I had lost all hope. I had turned my back on the Lord so many times that I could not see how he would or how he could ever forgive me. I didn't think that he would ever love me. It, it This took me down such a dark place in my life that I, I literally felt like a prisoner that would never be set free. Oh, but thanks be to God. There was a day when God sent his comforter to come and sit down beside me and he whispered to me that God loved me in spite of all my sins. He wanted to bless me and give me more than I could ever imagine, but he wanted me to serve him. Well, I want to tell you that day, that day I committed my life to him and that day he set me free, free from the guilt of my past sin. Somebody today is being bound by their past sin and I want to assure you that if you'll call out to the Lord, he'll set you free to no longer be bound by your past. Oh, he helped me to walk in a newness of light, no longer to walk in darkness. Yes, I faced some tough times along this journey, but no matter how tough the time became, he was always with me. And he's reminding me that I can trust him every step of the way. I want you to be sure that if you'll trust him, he'll walk with you. He'll walk with you when you feel like you can't trust him any longer. He'll not only walk with you, but he'll find the time to pick you up and carry you through whatever it is you're facing. Listen, unsaved, today you may be bound by your sin. The weight of the world may be pressing upon you. You may feel that peace will never come your way. But I come today to cry out to you and let you know that your salvation is near. God has sent his only begotten son into this sin-cursed world so that you could have the penalty of your sins removed from you. That you could receive his righteousness. Today, if you would receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he will set you free from your bondage. He'll remove all your sins from you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 103 and 12, it says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. Folks, he'll go alongside you. He'll bring you out of darkness. And he'll bring you into his marvelous light. And he'll give you a peace that the world won't give, but the world can't take away. Yes, there's a cry that God wanted Isaiah to issue out. And that was a cry of hope. That was a cry of peace. It was a cry of comfort. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people. Folks, you'll never find comfort in the arms of a wife like you'll find in the arms of Jesus. You'll never find comfort in the arms of a mother like you'll find in the arms of Jesus. I can't explain it, but I can testify to it that God is true to his word and he'll be whatever you need him to be. Yes, God tells Isaiah to comfort his people. And then what the prophet does is he issues the cry for preparation from God's people. When we look here in verses 3 through 5, you begin to see just what the, what the prophet is crying out. He, he says, so, so now the, the wonderful news 
for the people of God is this message. Prepare the way of the Lord for he is coming. Now, we've heard this even with John the Baptist in the New Testament. We see it here again. We see it here in Isaiah. But here, prepare the way of the Lord for he is coming. Here in the ancient days, when the king was coming, an ambassador would go before the king. And that ambassador would announce the king's coming. You remember, <laughs> you remember not only in ancient days, but there were days when, when ever some high official would come into town, there'd be somebody riding on a horse to announce that they were coming. Well, here, even in ancient days, they were doing the same thing, except they went a little further. In ancient days, when the king was coming and they were announcing his coming, knowing that the king was coming, preparations were being made. They, would, they were doing everything they could to ensure safe travel for the king. Uh, special roads would be built. Existing roads would be upgraded. Some of them would be leveled. Uh, the valleys would be filled up just to level the road off. So the mountains would be either lowered or they would, they would plow through the mountains to provide a, a passageway through. And even roads that seemed to be crooked and winding and twisting, they would do what they could to make those roads straight. In other words, any obstacle that would be in the way of the king for his arrival would be removed. Now with Isaiah announcing that the coming of the Messiah, the people were to prepare for his coming. In other words, they were to make straight their lives. Here they were to turn away from their sinful and their wicked behavior. They were to become faithful to obeying the command of God. Isaiah is saying, though it may look dark, but I want to assure you that there's coming a day when you will no longer be in captivity. There's coming a day when all your sins will be forgiven. But there's also coming a day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to come. So make way by cleaning up your life. That's exactly the message that Isaiah is presenting. Now in the Gospels, we find John the Baptist was the voice crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. With John, he preached exactly the preparations that the people were to make. What was John's message? What was his preaching all about? It was about repentance. John, so John is saying, listen folks, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who I'm not worthy to lace his sandals, he's coming. So before he comes, you might as well make the preparation for his coming. Repent of your sins. Be cleansed up from your sins. He tells them, I'll baptize you with water, but he's coming and he's going to baptize you with fire. In other words, he's coming to pour his Holy Spirit into your life. So might as well get it all to trash cleaned up get ready for the king's coming here John understood that the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was on his way John understood that the that the Jesus the son of God the Messiah the anointed one had was come into this world born of a virgin he would live a sinless life and he would become the sacrifice for all sin. He died on an old rugged cross providing forgiveness for our sins. And those who now and those who those then who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth has been saved from the penalty of their sins. But you know, this is not 
the end. Because the Bible tells us on the third day, Jesus arose from the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave. One day at the appointed time, he's coming back. He's coming back. And, and, and as he comes back, he's coming with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us who are alive and remain will caught up together with him in the clouds to where we will be able to be with the Lord for all eternity. I want to tell you, there's preparations that's got to be made. You must believe and you must confess. And because of this, we cry out. As Isaiah is crying out to the people, we're crying out, make preparations for the Lord in your life. The Bible tells us Mark in Mark 13, 32 and 33, but that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray for you do not know when that time is. We have no idea when Jesus is coming, but what we know is that he is coming. And because we know he is coming, we need to make the preparations for his return. Titus 2, 11 and 13 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we would live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearance or the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, I hope you're looking for him. If you're looking for him, you're making preparations. And those preparations is that you're ready for his return. That means that we're out about his business. That means that we're sharing the gospel. That means that we're living our lives in a manner that would reflect Jesus Christ to this world. If we're prepared for his return, if we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can experience a peace. A peace of God because we'll have peace with God. But now, as we look in verses 6 through 8, what we'll find is the prophet is instructed to ensure the people the cry of certainty. Listen, he's cried out to them to comfort them. He's told them to prepare for the Lord is coming. And here he cries out the certainty of God's word. As we look in these verses, we find God wants Isaiah to assure the Israelites of the certainty of his word. He says, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its loving loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. He goes on to say here that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Yes, Israel would be taken captive, but they could be certain of the promises of God. God had promised them that though they had been taken captive, their bondage would come to an end. That they would be forgiven of their sins. They would be saved and delivered from the oppression of their oppressors. Their salvation would come. 
But their salvation would come at the word of God. It didn't matter how discouraged the Jews were. It didn't matter how they may have been oppressed by the Babylonians. If God made them a promise, they could trust his word. For their oppressors was like the grass that withers and the flower that fades. But the word of God, it would stand forever. Folks, we're living in a world that wants to tell us that God's word is nothing but fiction. It's filled with stories to amuse us. But in Genesis, we find in the Garden of Eden that God said that his seed would bruise the head of the serpent. In other words, that Satan would be put under the feet of our Lord and Savior. And through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he defeated Satan. You know that the Constitution of the United States is incomplete. The forefathers, they knew that they were flawed men and they had flawed minds. So they left room for the Constitution to be a work in progress. In other words, amendments have been made and probably will continue to be made to our Constitution. Why? Because we're flawed. (laughs) Because our words will not stand forever. But unlike the Constitution of the United States, the Word of God is settled in heaven. God's word needs no amendments to it. There's nothing to add or to take away from this book. Revelation 22, 18 through 19. The Bible tells us, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and the things which are written in this book. It's the inspired word of God. God has breathed upon it and it is his complete revelation of himself to us. Everything we need to know about God to get us from this life into eternal life, we find in this book. And contrary to popular opinion, there's no new revelation apart from the word of God given to God's people. We can trust the certainty of God's word. Unsaved. Romans 14 and 11 says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10 and 13 says, For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation 22 and 20, he says, he testifies to these things and says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord, come. Listen, unsaved, God's word is true. You are lost and on your way to a demon's hell and if you refuse to bow down before him here you will bow down before him in glory when you will hear him say depart from me for I never knew you but if you will call upon the name of the Lord while the blood is still running warm in your body he will he is just and he is faithful he will answer your call he will forgive you of your sin cleanse you up unto all righteousness because he is coming back and he's coming back quickly we don't know what hour he's coming we don't know what day he's coming we just know he's coming and in 2020 he's come for many 
whether we realize it or not, he's come for many. But I want to tell you there's coming a day when Jesus is going to step out of the portals of glory. Step into the clouds that are before us. And we're going to see him. We who know him, we're going to see him as he's coming. And he's going to receive us unto himself. And he's going to make us to be just like him. But if you're left in this world, oh, unsaved, I want you to know this. God's word is true. It's certain. If you're left in this world, you will have no opportunity. No opportunity to receive him. According to God's word, he's going to send the deluding spirit. Now, while we're here in the church age, while blood is running warm in your body, while Jesus is still tarrying to come, now's the time to come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Because when he comes, the church age will end and you'll believe a lie. Rather than the truth. Wait a minute preaching. I've heard preaching all my life. I've heard it all my life. And I know. That people will be saved during the tribulation time. Yes they will. But the church age. Will be ended. For those. Who are here now. Under the preached word of God. God will send a deluding spirit. And that spirit will convince you of a lie. And you'll believe it rather than the truth. Those who are saved during that time will be those who've never heard the gospel. And the dispensation will be for those who have Jewish descent. We've got to remember the Bible tells us he come to the Jew first and then the Gentile. So in that day, what Gentiles will be saved are those who've never heard the gospel. But there will be Jews saved also. So now is your time. Now is your time. To experience peace. That only comes through knowing Jesus. As your Lord and Savior. Church family Isaiah's message is that we must be obedient. We must share this message. God desires to give peace to all people. So we must proclaim the good news of salvation. We must be willing to shout from the highest points. We can't fear those who may reject the message. Instead, we should fear God. For we will stand before him and give an account of our deeds here on earth. I want to encourage us to be as Paul said to the Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God of salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Why? For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. 
our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, provides us forgiveness. It provides us eternal life. And we must proclaim this. But we also must proclaim he's coming back to receive us unto himself. That where he is there, we may be also. This message from God's word will give peace to those who will receive it. My question is for you unsaved today, will you receive it?
Oh, he has an amazing love. A love for us that we can't understand. All we can do is experience. It's a love we can't explain. We can just accept and receive. I pray before it's too late. That if there's anyone in this place who doesn't experience this love. Who doesn't know this love. That only comes through Jesus. That before it be too late. You will know him as your Lord and Savior. You will experience a hope. That this world. (laughs) In this world you won't find. You will experience a peace. That can only come through Jesus. We thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us. But before we go. It is the first Sunday of December, isn't it? (laughs) Somebody may have a birthday in this month. (laughs) If you have a birthday in the month of December, would you stand? Yeah, we have some. I sang to them. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Now, some of you may have gotten married in this month. If you have an anniversary in the month of December, would you stand? Uh, okay, that was a Christmas wedding. We need to sing. To, we need to put Ronald and Betty in this song, don't we? <laughs> this, this is just for them. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. <laughs> uh, again, we do. We thank you for coming. We're going to ask everyone if you would stand. As you go through this week, I want to encourage each one of you, uh, if you're going to be on your own, men and ladies, uh, I can look around and see some of these ladies might be able to handle themselves better than some of these men. So I'm going to say, men and ladies, be aware of your surroundings. Uh, this is a time of year that, that we, sh- we, we spread joy, we spread peace, and we spread love. But it's also a time of year when people will try and take advantage. Keep in mind, we live in a, we live in a flawed world. It will come to an end one day when we'll live in perfect peace, perfect love, and perfect surroundings. But until we get to heaven, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware that there could be someone lurking. And listen, I don't care how much you've spent in it. I don't care what you have in your pocketbook. It's not worth your life. Be careful. Be careful. And I pray that God's blessings will be upon each one of you. God, be with us this day. Go with us. And God, may you be glorified in everything that we say and do. May your son be magnified by the life that we live. And God, may we edify one another through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.